think y'all know where we're going to be today in the scripture since I gave you a copy of my outline early. First uh, Timothy chapter 1 verses 18 through 20 is where we are today. First Timothy chapter 1 verses 18 through 20. This charge I entrust to you Timothy my child in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Among them are Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. I think we all understand today that our world is in a mess. Is that a foregone conclusion? I mean, all of our news sources for the last two weeks have been full of what? News about Israel and then news about Maine. The news coming out of Israel is about the war between Israel and Hamas. We see it continually. On any given day, we may have the report of another war between other countries. Just because this one is taking place does not mean there will not be another one that will take place. Our news is full of such as this. And conflicts and wars, how long have they existed? Ever since the beginning of time. These conflicts and these wars, they are just a part of the human existence. That They have been around ever since Adam and Eve. And do you know what? They're going to stay around until Christ returns for his bride and until God says everything is over. We cannot stop it. We may hinder it. We, we may do something that will hopefully bring peace short time in the world. But we know that in the end, the world is a troubled place. And that warfare constantly takes place. Well, in like manner, within the Christian life, there's also conflict and wars. And this takes place on at least three fronts for us. First... The world. For the believer who is sold out to Christ, 
For the believer who believes the Bible, for the believer who lives a biblical lifestyle, we are in conflict with the world every single day. The world does not like your Christian beliefs. Did you understand that? The world does not like what you believe about homosexuality. They don't like what you believe about drunkenness and drugs. They don't like what you believe about sleeping around. They, they don't like what you believe about anything if it's out of Scripture. There's this continual conflict between the believer and the world or the world system. There's also the continual conflict with the devil. The Bible says that <clears throat> he is the prince and the power of the air. That encompasses a lot, doesn't it? The prince and the power of the air. Now, I don't know that I have ever directly been in contact with Satan. There are those who talk about having face-to-face -face times with Satan. I, I don't think that I have. But I think I have definitely come in contact with some of his uh, followers. I, I know I have come in contact with some of his followers. And so when you come in contact with his followers, that's pretty much the same thing as coming into contact with him. And as believers, we are always going to be in a constant battle with Satan. What is Satan's ultimate goal? To rid the world of Christians, to rid the world of faith, to rid the world of anything related to Christ. So we are at warfare, not with just the world system that we live in, but we're also in a warfare with the devil and his followers. But then, thirdly, the flesh. The flesh simply means, I'm in a warfare with myself. I don't know about y'all. I'm not going to say you do or you don't, but I fight me probably more than I fight the world and more than I fight Satan. Me is my biggest issue. Sometimes it's the way I think. Sometimes it's the way I respond. Sometimes it's what I say. So, some, sometimes I'm just low down, sorry, good for nothing mean. Rhonda doesn't say amen right there. I told her not to. <laughs> but she knows. Do, do you fight yourself? Do you find yourself saying and doing things that later you're like, why in the world did I do that? Why did I think that? Why did I say that? Why in the world did I let myself get drugged into this? So we're at a warfare as believers. It's not just the world that's at a warfare, but it's believers also. And we have to recognize this reality if we're ever going to experience any victory in our daily Christian lives. We, we can't just say, oh, we got saved, we're a believer, everything is okay, God's going to take care of me, and the world is full of sugar plums, and, and everything is okay, and everybody's going to love me, and everything's going to go my way, and, and I mean, this is going to be a wonderful, glorious day. Wouldn't it be great if that were the case? But life is not like that. That's not the way that it is. So we have to recognize that. And then once we've recognized it, when warfare begins, once the leaders of the soldiers understand they're in a warfare, 
that they have to devise a battle strategy. Matter of fact, I think most uh, military uh, leaders around the world have battle strategies in place before the conflict ever starts because once the conflict starts, it's a little late. Don't you imagine Israel already had plans in place for when something happened? Don't you imagine that America already has plans in place in case something happens again like 9-11? All the military leaders in the world, they have these contingency plans. They are ready just in case. Well, as believers, we need to be the same way. We need to recognize the warfare that we're in and we need to have a battle plan and a strategy or we're going to get eaten alive day in and day out. And there are four components to our battle plan that you can find in these three verses of Scripture that I want to just quickly point out to you that will help us to be victorious daily as a believer. Number one, the first component we, we need to remember past events that have happened in our lives. And, and in this, in verse 18, Paul is saying, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. First Timothy 4.14 says it this, this way, Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Paul is saying to Timothy, Remember... When you were called to service, remember when hands were laid upon you. Remember when you were prayed over. Remember when they sent you out into this warfare. Remember what happened in your life so that you may be encouraged. Well, not everyone is called to be a missionary. Not everyone is called to be a preacher or a pastor. Not, not everyone is, is called to some kind of specific Christian vocation. But this verse still works for us in remembering past events that have happened in our lives. And the number one event that we need to remember daily is when we got saved. We need to remember the fact that Christ loved us enough that he saved us from our sins. And when we got saved, the Holy Spirit of God came to indwell us and live in us to help us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, and yes, to convict us also when we do wrong. When we're in the middle of a warfare, whether it's with the world or whether it's with the devil or whether it's with ourselves, we need to remember that in the past, at some point, Christ saved us. And the Holy Spirit came to indwell us. And because of that, we're able to fight this good warfare. But secondly, the second component is that we hold the faith. Look in verse 19. It says, holding faith in a good conscience. Do, do you understand today that the world is trying to rip your faith from you? They, they want to rip that faith out of your hands. They want to rip that faith out of your mind. They want to rip that faith out of your heart. That's the reason that they attack us. That's the reason they condemn us. That's, that's the reason they speak so, so little in uh, such a derogatory way about belief, they are hoping that they can make us stray away and make us follow after them and be like they are. They are trying to rip that faith out from within us. So, so we have to hold on to that faith. 
We, we have to hold on by reading the Bible. We have to hold on by reading devotions. We have to hold on by being in worship services. We have to hold on by, by being around other believers. We have to hold on to our faith on a daily basis. Because the world is doing everything it can to strip it out of our hands. It's, it's kind of like the, 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 the go-to thing in football now in, in our day and age is when they tackle someone, they're trying to strip the ball, strip the ball, strip the ball. Whether you make the tackle or not, strip the ball, take the ball away from them. And the world is trying to strip our faith away from us in the same way. Oh, your faith is old. That faith is a myth. It, it's nothing to... to even concern yourself with don't even try to live that way and little by little they're they're trying to strip that away from us we've got to hold on to the faith thirdly we must have a clear conscience look in verse 19 again holding faith and a good conscience what what is a good conscience as you can see on the page that I gave you, I, I put down that it is self-awareness that we have done what is right in God's eyes. Understand that our conscience can be trained. You understand that? When people say, do whatever your conscience tells you to do, that's dangerous if that conscience has not been trained in a good way. You can train your conscience to be a mean, low-down, sorry, good-for-nothing scoundrel. You can train your conscience to believe anything is okay to do and everything is okay to do. You can train your conscience that, that there's nothing that is a sin and there's nothing that is even true about sin, that it's just whatever you want to do. So when we start talking about following our conscience, we have to be sure of, is that conscience, has it been trained based upon the Word of God? Is our conscience informed and molded by the indwelling Holy Spirit? Or is our conscience just that which we have gleaned from the world system or from Satan or just wishful thinking that we have ourselves about what we wish were true? We have to have a clear conscience in a warfare. We, we have to be self-aware that as an individual, we have done what God has asked us to do. We, we have to be self-aware that we are following his teaching and his leadership. We, we can't wonder, are we? A soldier that's in the middle of a warfare, if he begins to doubt whether he should be there or not, if he begins to doubt his leaders, if he begins to doubt the mission, he's not going to be very much of a soldier. One or two things is going to happen. He's going to desert or he's going to get killed. As a believer, being in a warfare with the world and with Satan and with ourselves, we also have to have this clear conscience that, that we are aware of what Christ wants us to do and that we indeed are doing it if we don't we'll we'll get off on the wrong foot doing the wrong thing so so this good warfare that we need to be fighting i said there are four components to it the first one is remembering past events the salvation the calling the baptism the second component is holding on to the faith the 
trying its best to rip faith out from our heart and our mind. We have to hold on to it with all of our power. Third is having a clear conscience that, that we are aware of what Christ wants us to do and we're doing what he has called us to do and our conscience is clear on that part. And fourthly, we have to recognize the shipwreck. In verse 19 and 20, he said, some have made shipwreck of their faith. A, a shipwreck. Do, do you know anything about a shipwreck? We don't hear much about them now in our society, but back in the day, before iron-hulled vessels, back in the day before radar and GPS, back in the day before radio communication, shipwreck on a regular basis. They'd get too close to the shore. They'd, they'd get caught in a storm. And they'd, they'd, they'd hit rocks, and, and the, the ship would fall apart and, and destroy itself in the middle of the waves and the wind and all that was taking place. And so to be shipwrecked, was not a good thing. The Apostle Paul went through shipwreck, did he not? He, he, he talked about the shipwreck that he was in and, and how that they barely escaped with their lives. Well, this is an analogy of, of someone who has a shipwreck of their faith. Their, their faith is destroyed. And he says in verse 20, he, he names name. Pretty brave, wasn't he? He named names. He said, among whom are Hymenius and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Paul said, here are two examples of individuals who have shipwrecked their faith. And he's basically saying, there's nothing I can do about it. It's not his responsibility to do anything about it. He says, I have instead turned them over, not to God, but to Satan. For Satan to do in their lives what Satan wants to do. And hopefully they will learn not to blaspheme. That, that is a strong verse of scripture. Of what happens to believers who walk away from their faith, lose their faith, become weak in their faith. And we have to recognize that there are those who are shipwrecked when it comes to faith. Do you know any family and friends who have lost the battle of faith? How many of you have people in, in your family that used to serve Christ and used to be in church and, and used to be tired and and used to witness, and used to use their talents for the Lord, and used to do all these things, and now they don't go to church, and they don't tithe, and they don't use their talents, they don't do anything, they, they, don't, they don't really have any use for Christ, and for the church, and for, for the, the scriptures. I think we all have people in our families who have done that, and friends, friends who were once on fire for the Lord, who all of a sudden walk away from all of it, and to never have anything else to do with it, man, they, they are shipwrecked. We, we know those family members and those friends who have lost the battle. But what about the leaders and the followers who have also lost the battle? When, when I say leaders, I'm talking about those who are pastors and missionaries and, 
and, and those who are Sunday school teachers and small group leaders who, who have stood and proclaimed the gospel and who have lived the gospel and who have, have tried to lead others to do so. And then they hit a point in their life that all of a sudden they turn their back on it and walk away from it. I, I have known way too many pastors who have quit just stopped i've known way too many pastors who have been caught up in sexual uh, affairs and sins or who have been caught up in embezzling money from their churches or or the list goes on and on and on we we know those leaders who have shipwrecked their faith we know those who have followed them who have also shipwrecked their faith if there's one thing that I want y'all to understand, well, there's a lot of things I want y'all to understand, but right now, here's this one thing. Your faith and your church attendance should never depend on who the pastor If it does, then you are a follower of man, of God. And I can't speak for other pastors, but... I, I really don't want a lot of followers right behind me because sometimes I get off in the ditch and I'd look back and see y'all in the ditch with me. I take seriously the calling to be a pastor. I, I take seriously that responsibility. And I understand that there can be an attachment between pastor and people. I mean, I've been there, I've lived it before, I'm living it now, and that is a great thing. But it should never be in any church that is a legitimate Christian New Testament church. It should never be that if the leader falls, or if the leader leaves, that if the leader does something stupid, that you should fall and fail in your faith also. Your faith should never be in me. Your faith should always be in Him. Understanding that every preacher, every pastor, every missionary is still a human with human tendencies and sinful actions are often present. And at any given moment, they can shipwreck their faith just like Paul is talking about Hymenius and Alexander. If we're in a battle, which I believe we are, we must keep reminding ourselves of those who used to be in the battle who are now AWOL. But you don't see them. You don't hear from them. They're not involved. They're, they're not worshiping. They're, they're not using their talents. They're, they're not tithing. They're, 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 they, they're just gone. I don't want us to shipwreck in our faith. I want our faith to be placed on him, not on me and not on you. There are pastors who place way too much faith in church members. You got to understand as a pastor that that best church member, that loving church member, something can happen and all of a sudden they're not as good as they were. I, I've seen it so many times. I've, I've witnessed it in my own life, and I've, I've witnessed it in the lives of others. Our faith, your faith cannot be in me, and my faith cannot be in you. Our faith must be in Him. It's the only way that we can fight in this battle. 
If we put too much faith in each other, when one of us fails, then our ability to fight the battle is not very good. We've got to be sure to recognize those who have shipwrecked and determine we're not going to be one of them. I believe that every victory in battle begins with the first step. You can think about something. You can talk about something. And you can plan something. But if there's not a first step, nothing gets done. Whether it's on the job, in the church, or at home. You can talk about, this is what we need to do. You can make plans for, this is what we're going to do. But if you never take the first step, to pull the first nail out, to put the first swap of paint on, or, or whatever it may be, then nothing ever gets accomplished. Every victory in battle begins with a first step. We've got to do more than simply hear this message, more than just think about this message. There, there has to be a step of action. And I believe that for us, the first step of that action is simply prayer. Praying that the Holy Spirit of God gives us strength to fight the warfare. The warfare is not going to end as long as we live. Y'all believe that? We're, we're going to be in a warfare. Warfare with the world, a warfare with Satan. And a warfare with ourselves until we draw our last breath. So if we're going to fight a good warfare, the first step to implementing these four components is simply gathering at an altar, I believe, and praying, Lord Jesus, help me to fight a good warfare. Because on our own, we can't. I don't have the ability to, and neither do you. So the invitation is very simple this morning. Number one, if you're not a believer, then please see me after service and let me know so I can talk with you about being a believer and, and what it means. But most of you, I believe all of you would say I am a believer. And so the invitation to you this morning is, is this. Would you be willing to just come and gather at the altar if you can kneel, kneel. If you need to stand, stand. If you need to sit, sit. I mean, do, do what you feel like you can do. But, but just the fact of coming down front, would we gather together and pray that God would help us to fight this good warfare? Not just as an individual, but even as a church. That we would fight a good warfare. If you would, would you please come and join with me for this prayer?